Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. I'm Sam. I'm Jess. And this is Your Brain on Weird. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> so, uh, how are you doing today, Jess? I'm pretty good. Uh, the full moon over the last couple of days was really nice. Everyone yeah. else has been, we were kind of talking about this earlier, but everyone else has been feeling a little rough, so I'm sorry to everybody who uh, struggled through this full moon, <laughs> this eclipse. Um I felt great. <laughs> Sorry, we're thriving right now, actually. Yeah. I've been doing pretty good. Uh, although yesterday and today I've like been a little uh, sluggish, but I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. So like, I had trouble sleeping last night because I was just like thinking about it. I was like, oh my god. So yeah. I'm excited to listen to it. Good, or hear good. about it, I guess. I don't yeah. know what it is. Whatever. <laughs> How are you? I am also pretty good, actually. I woke up this morning and I did a bunch of things and then I accidentally took a nap on the couch because I couldn't keep my eyes open any longer. (laughs) (laughs) But that was fine. And then now I'm here and this week has also been pretty good for me. And yeah. 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 We're we're hoping on your dog. Yeah. I've applied to- Everybody send good vibes for the dog. So many dogs recently and it's really- it breaks my heart every single time that I don't get the dog. So yeah. I'm like really hoping that this this dog um, we get approved for. She seems really special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. a good feeling this time around. Me too. Yeah. So here's hoping. Woo-hoo. Yeah. You'll have to keep us updated. <sighs> I will. Oh my God. You guys need a puppy. That, oh my God. Our puppy can be our podcast's mascot. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, dude. Okay. I have a surprise for you, actually. What? What? Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. I was going to send this to you, but I decided it was going to take too long. So I'm going to show it to you and then I will give it to you later. Okay. Chris had some mugs made for us. What? <laughs> They're really cool. And look, look at the back, dude. Oh my god, he put our butterfly on it. Yeah, yeah, man. Chris, oh my god. Yeah. They're really nice. Thank you. Oh yeah, my thanks, god. Chris. Oh my Thank god. you, Chris. Those are so cool. <laughs> I was gonna wait to look at them until we started recording. And then I was like, well. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're really fucking nice. Um, I'll post a picture of them because, uh, you know, if people like them, we can get more. Um, but they're really freaking cool. They're so cool. <laughs> they're really cool. Oh my God. So yeah. Remind me next time I visit you to bring you yours. Okay. I will. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Chris. That is incredible. They look really cool, too. They're so cool! I love the butterfly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I didn't notice that at first, too. Like, I, like, knew that he had them made was the other thing, because he told me he was, like, gonna do it. And, uh, (laughs) 
I like took it out and I was looking at it and I was like, wow, like this is really neat. It's not exactly what I expected. Like, haha. And I was kind of like turning over my hand and I saw the butterfly and I was like, oh! <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> yeah. And now everyone on Twitter is like adding the little like blue butterfly onto their like names and like their profiles. I think I gotta, and... I think I gotta put it on my name. Yeah, you too. gotta, yeah, you gotta. Ah, shit. I oh, think, shit. so we say team moth, but it's like team moth slash butterfly. I would even filter dragonflies in there. Absolutely. I I love dragonflies as well. So. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So. Oh, man. Oh, man. I was trying really hard not to say anything. <laughs> that was such a good surprise. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Holy shit. <laughs> I have a really hard time not telling you stuff. So I like uh. knew about this for like over a week and I was just like, I had to like keep them in the box so I wouldn't look at them. And I was going to use one to make my coffee this morning, but I knew I was just going to be, like, sitting there being like, (sighs) Oh my god, that was incredible. Holy shit, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, and also thanks thanks to Dom for our logo, because the logo is on them, so we should give credit to Dom for that. Yes, thank you, Dom. Yes. (sighs) Anyway. Okay. (laughs) Do you have anything else? No, dude. Okay. All right. Let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just go. Okay. Let's just go. Um, okay. So I've told you that I've wanted to do this one for a while. Like I said, it's a lot. Um, I'm going to go kind of slow. If you have any questions, you can stop and ask me. Um, I'm going to kind of jump around a bit because it's a lot of information and it can get kind of hard to follow. It's very history heavy. There's a lot of people involved and there's a lot of dates involved. Okay. That's fine. So I decided I wanted to do the Voynich Manuscript. Oh, shit. Yeah. Which you know I've been obsessed with ever since I heard about it on Astonishing Legends, just like pretty much every freaking thing I hear about. Yeah. So once again, one of my sources was Astonishing Legends. I listened to it like two years ago, and I'm sure like in my head, I'm probably pulling some references from them, but mostly Wikipedia as usual. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. That's why I wasn't mad when you like when you like fell asleep on the couch. I was like, oh, okay, like you it's gotta fine. get your brain prepared. Your brain, it's fine. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to like open up a picture, you can at like any point. Um, so you can like get an idea of what this thing looks like. But I will start out by telling you what the fuck this thing is. Yeah, I don't actually think I know anything about this. I actually really didn't think I was going to be interested in it because I'm not a huge literature history buff, I guess. But the mystery behind it is like the really cool thing. So what this is, is it's an illustrated codex that is handwritten in an unknown writing system accompanied by charts, diagrams, and drawings. Oh. You may have heard of it from references in The Witcher 3 and Assassin's Creed 4. I didn't hear from it that way because I don't play those games, but... Other people might, so. <laughs> I have heard of those games. Yes. So. <laughs> I happen to know they're quite popular, so. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're looking at it, but as you can see, it's like, it's on a weird kind of paper. Um, it's actually written on vellum, which is basically animal skin. Ooh. Okay. So, most medieval manuscripts, manuscripts were done on vellum. Um, and it's still used in the British Parliament for archival purposes, and it's used in Ireland. It's really expensive, and it's hard to find, obviously, these days, because, you know, low demand and complicated manufacturing processes 
also like animal rights. Um, yeah, right. People, people these days, I'm sure, aren't super into writing on like calf skin. Is essentially what it is. Nasty. Yeah. Um, the existing cover and bindings are also made from goat skin. Um, that's not original to the book, though. There were insect holes that were found in the first and last sections, and apparently that suggests that at one point there was a wooden cover. Weird. Okay. It had its own little box. Yeah. They also discovered that, um, on the edges, there's, like, some, like, weird discoloring that points to tanned leather. Oh. Like, a tanned leather cover. So this thing, like, had multiple covers throughout its life. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There are 240 pages, um, but some of them are missing. So we're, like, missing sections out of this. Okay. Uh, some of the pages are foldable, so they're, like, the, like, fold-out ones, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I see a couple of those pictures. Yeah. 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 Weird. Um, and the pages are collected into 18 choirs, which is a way of measuring quantities of paper. I think it's, like, when you're looking at a book and you know how sometimes they're kind of in sections and that's how they bind it? Yeah. I think that's what that's referencing. Each choir is numbered using numerals consistent with the 1400s. Whoa. Yeah. Um, In addition, each right-hand page, so not the left-hand page, each right-hand page is numbered with numbers 1 through 116 using numerals from a later date. Interesting. So they numbered the pages in the 1400s and then they renumbered them later. Oh, okay. Is essentially what that's saying. (laughs) They added to it. They had to rearrange some of the choirs, you know? I guess, yeah, actually, yeah. I think that's one of the things that they say is that it kind of almost looks like at some points they were rearranged, like the pages were rearranged. Yeah, it was uh, first and second edition, but they didn't feel like rewriting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, we'll just switch it up. <laughs> They'll never know. Um, <laughs> it's estimated to originally have had at least 272 pages. So we're missing 32 pages. Oh, okay. Um, and there is strong evidence that the book was reorganized or reordered at various points. Okay, like there said. we go. So, Perfect. Yeah. Literally that. Yes. <laughs> so the text is written in a, in a completely unidentified language. Most characters are composed of one or two simple pen strokes, and only 20 to 25 characters have been identified. Weird. It's very pretty. It's like... It's really nice looking. Yeah. The, like, writing is really, like... It's, like, gentle. It's, like, really smooth. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's really, like, pretty to look at. Even, like, with the pictures, too. Like, it's just really cool to look at. Um, and there's a few, like... There's a few dozen, dozen exceptions. There's a few random, like, characters that only appear once or twice that aren't part of that alphabet that they've created i guess oh okay yeah so i don't know this is gonna sound really lame but it looks like um like elven (laughs) it does lord of the rings i wonder if it does i wonder if he like drew inspiration from this when he was writing the books it's very possible yeah it's very possible because i think once we get into the history you're gonna see like some parallels to stuff like that Okay. okay cool so or once we get into the suspected history suspected history it's a mystery. That's why I picked it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so there there are some Latin letters and Latin script that's written in the margins. So that's identifiable. Interesting. One diagram lists names of 10 months from March to December, also in Latin script. And the spelling of the months is suggestive of medieval languages of France, Italy, or Iberia. Weird. A small number of words have been identified as High German. 
So we're kind of like all over the place. Um, we don't know whether these parts um, written in more quote unquote familiar languages were part of the original text or if they were added in later. Weird. Okay. Uh, there's also no punctuation whatsoever. Fuck punctuation. <laughs> Fuck that. They're just like run on sentences. Just Fuck commas. <laughs> uh, there are sometimes like little stars that are drawn in the left margins. There are no indications. This is really weird. There are no indications of any errors or corrections anywhere. Wow. This person knew exactly so, what they were writing. Weird. Okay. Yeah. For 270 something pages, apparently, they just wrote and didn't at any point have to cross anything out, have to erase anything, have to re. Like, there's no. Which is just crazy to me. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Like, that's nuts. One thing I read was that somebody described it as, um, quote, it flows smoothly, giving the impression that the symbols were not enciphered. There is no delay between characters, as would normally be expected if it was encoded. Weird. So it's just like, what the heck is all, like, what is it? In addition to, you know, the text that's written, most pages have illustrations or diagrams, and... This is kind of interesting. Using polarized light microscopy, which I guess is just like putting it under a microscope and running a light through it or something. Like mm -hmm. I kind of looked it up, but I don't I don't understand stuff like that. Anyway, um, it was determined that a quill pen and ink were used for the text and for the outlines. The colored paint was possibly applied to the figures at a later date. So they Weird. think that like the outlines and stuff were done first, and then somebody like essentially went in and like colored in everything else they're like oh coloring weird <laughs> um and the paint was also analyzed using various forms of microscopy the blue paint is made from ground azurite the white paint is made from egg white and calcium carbonate the green is made from atacomite atacomite i'm sorry or another copper chlorine compound which makes sense because copper, like, turns green. That makes sense, yeah. And the red paint is made from red okra, hematite, hematite, and iron sulfide. And all of these pigments were considered inexpensive at the time that they're, like, guesstimating the paint was added. So whoever painted this, like, didn't have to pay a ton of money to get the materials for the paint. <laughs> weird. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> so I'm going to talk a little bit again about the text and what people think about the text. And then I'll describe the drawings again. Okay. <laughs> a computer science analyst named George Stolfi of the University of Campinas in Brazil pointed out that parts of the book were modified using darker ink over the, over the fainter pre-existing ink. So, like, somebody went back, pretty much just wrote over the lighter ink later. Yeah, okay. The first major transcript was created by cryptographer William F. Friedman in the 1940s. Each line of the manuscript was, quote, transcribed into an IBM punch card to make it machine readable. So I didn't really look that up. I don't I don't really understand how they did that. <laughs> but I guess they just like made it to where a program could read it. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. One of the things that he created was the European Voynich alphabet which is those 20 to 25 characters that, oh, okay. like, were identified. Um, and I'm going to, like, post a, po post a f uh, picture of, like, the grid of um, all the characters, I think. So, yeah. So another thing they looked at was the word patterns. There are a total of 170,000 characters, like, individual characters. Wow. The word structure follows phonological laws of some sort. So, for example, like, 
we have English vowels and you need to have vowels in a word, right? Right. Or like some characters never follow other ones. So like it does seem to follow some kind of rule. Okay. It is a little odd though that some characters occur only at the beginning of a word. Some characters only occur at the end. Some only occur in the middle. So it's it's like we know that there's a pattern, but every once in a while there's like a random thing that throws off that pattern and you're just like, what the? I mean, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like in most languages, you, like you say I before E except after C, but there are like words that fucking don't yeah. follow that rule. Yeah. So yeah, like rules kind of matter, but not really. Yeah, sometimes we just say fuck it. It makes sense. Don't ask questions. Um, so the language of the Voynich manuscript is called Voynichese. Voynichese. Mm, yes, I would like to try some Voynichese with my wine. Thank you. With my copper sulfite wine. Mm. Mm. If I ever make a cheese company, I'm going to call it Voynichese. Voynichese. Oh, and then so the Voynich good. family is going to sue me. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So... The illustrations in the Voynich manuscript are pretty much used to divide the manuscript into six different sections. So when you're looking at these pictures, you can kind of tell like, oh, this is one section that has these kind of drawings. This section has these kinds. So they were able to kind of look at that and be like, okay, this has sections based on like the kind of drawings that are there. So the supposed subject matter for these six sections. The first section is supposed to be or is expected to be herbal. Mm -hmm. So each page has plant drawings that accompany the text. It has like the same formatting as European herbal like dictionaries and stuff from that time period. Okay. Um, so like we're talking like the 1400s through maybe like the 1700s. Like we don't really know. Like it's like th that 300 year span. We're just like, we don't really know. Okay. None of the plants depicted are clearly identifiable. Wow, really? So when you look at them, when you're looking at the pictures of the plants, they do look a little like alien. It's weird. They they look like so they kind of have like different combinations of different plants. It's like a pl like plant Frankenstein's. Like they pulled the stems off of one plant and stuck the flowers on on it and then put the leaves from another plant on it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Okay. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, they just look weird. Like, they don't look like anything that would, like, come from Earth, really. Like, they just look strange. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, so that's the herbal section. The very strange alien herbal section. Herbal. The next section is astronomical. So there are circular diagrams that are suggestive of astronomy and astrology. So like suns, moons, stars, stuff like that. One series of diagrams includes conventional symbols for constellations, such as Pisces, Taurus, and Sagittarius. Weird. Um, there's also, like, zodiac, you know, zodiac signs, like, zodiac pictures, so, like, the bull for Taurus and stuff like that. Each of these diagrams has 30 female figures in two or more circles. This is, like, almost, like, the weirdest part. Most of them are fully or part nude. Each one of them holds what appears to be, like, a star. And some of these diagrams are on folded pages. I think there's like one big diagram of like a bunch of astrological symbols and like a bunch of ladies like dancing essentially. 
Weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at one now, and it's uh strange. Yeah, they're very crude drawings. That's the other thing. Yeah, they like they are very crude drawings. Like they they look like they like would have been done by like a teenager or something. <laughs> they just got their style, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did notice a theme of naked ladies yes. in these pictures. <laughs> yes. All right. The third section is oh my god, I should have looked up how to pronounce this. Uh, balneological. That is the science of baths or bathing. That is so funny. Didn't know it was a thing. There is a science for everything. There's literally a science for bathing. Like, Interesting. I know exactly which picture it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so now you're gonna, yeah. So it's very dense text mixed with figures of small nude women, some wearing crowns, bathing in pools or tubs connected by an elaborate network of pipes. And the pipes run, like, between the pages- like, almost, like, oh. between the sections, which is really cool. So you can, like, go from page to page and it, like, connects. That's really weird. And this is possibly connected to alchemy, although there is no resemblance to alchemical processes from that period anywhere else. Okay. So, yeah. So weird. <clears throat> All right. Uh, next section is cosmological, so relating to the origins of the universe. There are circular diagrams of a, quote, obscure nature with, like, foldouts for them. One diagram spans six pages and is a map with what appears to be nine islands connected by causeways containing castles or possibly a volcano. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's a section on the origin of the universe. Oh, my God. Oh, I guess. my God. So. <laughs> I'm so glad I like am looking at this while you're talking about it because yeah. otherwise it would make no sense. Yeah, I think I think you almost have to. Yeah, if you've gotten this far and you're not looking at it yet, you should probably try and open up <laughs> a picture of it. Or maybe if you're driving or something, like pause this and then pull over and like take a look at some pictures and then keep driving because like <laughs> it's wild. It's, it's crazy. Wild. It's crazy. Um. I actually want to look up the, like, weird volcano picture because um, I don't, like, remember seeing that anywhere when I was looking at it. Oh, I definitely know what should it, what what part of this picture is supposed to be the volcano. It literally is just a little volcano. Oh, dude, I found a PDF yesterday. Where'd it go? This is a supremely shitty picture that I'm looking at, so that sucks, but is this another circle? So if you want to go look at it, I'll post the link for it. Um, yeah, archive.org, the Voynich Manuscript, has a full PDF, and you can, like, go page to page. So let's see. So yeah, all right. Now I gotta catch up. Here's all the plants. Here's all the weird, weird plants and stuff. What the fuck is going on with these plants? Why do they look like that? They're all so weird! All right, am I done with the plant section yet? Where are we? Hello? 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 Oh, here's the ladies. Okay, here are the ladies bathing or doing whatever. They're bathing. Okay, yeah. Oh, I've seen this picture before. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I recognize this. So weird. I don't understand it. But yeah, it does, it does like, look like a bunch of weird islands and, like, I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, so, all right. The other the other two sections. Uh, Let's see, where was I? Cosmological or something? Yeah. The last two sections are possibly pharmaceutical this section has like labeled drawings of parts of plants with what appear to be like apothecary jars um so they think that that has something to do with like medicine and the very last section they think might be recipes 
maybe related to the pharmaceutical section. Um, I guess the reason why they think that is because it's like full pages of text that are broken into short paragraphs and there's like little stars in the left margins. So like it could be almost like an old like fuck like um like a bullet point list kind of yeah yeah okay so holy shit oh I see. yeah you see it yeah I finally got to that section when I say stars they're not like they're like seven or eight pointed stars and they have like this weird little like squiggle on the bottom they almost look like flowers some of them look like they're meant to be flowers yeah I like that some of them are colored in. Yeah, yeah. Who, who did that? <laughs> it looks like it's like every other one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this whole entire section is just like bullet point after bullet point after bullet point of just writing. Just very dense writing. Wow. So that's essentially the book. <laughs> what it looks like. What it is. The sections of it. Again, I recommend that people take a look at it. So now that we know what we're looking at, <laughs> let's talk about where this thing has been and what it's done and who's touched it and all that weird shit. Okay. I found like a timeline of the ownership, um, like who had it at what periods. There's a lot of gaps where we're yeah. kind of like, uh, where was it? But in 2009, the University of Arizona carbon dated it to the early 15th century. So between 1404 and 1438. Wow. So they carbon dated it, which... You can't argue that. I mean, that's like, those things old as fuck. <laughs> it's like friggin' 600 years old. That's so, that's so crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so, the first, quote, confirmed owner was George Baresh, who was an alchemist from Prague. Ooh. He had apparently been puzzled by the manuscript and described that it had been taking up space uselessly in his library for many years. Twice, Baresh sent a copy to a scholar named Athanasius, Athanasius, uh, Kircher from the Roman College, asking for help. Essentially being that's like, what do you name. think this thing is? Yeah, that's a really cool name. <laughs> if I'm pronouncing it right. Probably. Either way, it's still really cool. So the letter that Baresh wrote to Athanasius in 1639 was the earliest confirmed mention of the manuscript. So we carbon dated it to, to like 1404, 1438. But the only time that there's like a confirmed, like written somebody talking about it was in 1639, 200 years later. Wow. Okay. So there's this whole like 200 year gap where we're just like, don't know what happened. So <laughs> Kirscher tried to acquire the book. Athanasius, our friend Athanasius, tried to acquire the book, but Baresh refused to give it to him. When Baresh died, he passed it to his friend Jan Marek Marcy, who conveniently was friends with our friend Athanasius. So he sent the book to him. Wow. <laughs> A couple Sick. years later. <laughs> So Athanasius finally got the book. Yeah. So so this Baresh guy was like, no, nah, you can't have it. And then gave it to a guy who was friends with him. And he's like, hey, hey man, just take it. And this is part of the, part of the cover letter that he sent with it. <clears throat> so he said, this book bequeathed to me by an intimate friend, I destined for you as soon as it came into my possession, for I was convinced that it could be read by no one except yourself. The former owner of this book asked your opinion by letter, plain, copying and sending you a portion of the book from which he believed you would be able to read the remainder. But he at that time refused to send the book itself, 
Accept now this token, such as it such as it is, and long overdue though it be, of my affection for you, and burst through its bars, if there are any, with your wanted success. Oh, <laughs> that's really sweet. <laughs> Why don't fucking people write like this anymore? I don't know, man. This is like a dude to a dude, just being like, hey man, like, you're the best guy for this. Like, just take this thing and just like... I love you, man. I believe in you. You deserve this. I'm so proud of you. Kiss his forehead gently. <laughs> but like, oh, I just love that. That's like, that's only part of it. Um, But yeah, that letter was like pretty cool. Fellas, is it gay to send your friend a manuscript? You'd be like, hey, man, I think this guy's coming on to me. It's like, no, dude, just wanted you to send you this weird book. Just read this, okay? Just Stop. figure it out. Okay, so um, Marcy, the guy who sent him the book after this other mm-hmm. guy died, mm-hmm. claimed that Emperor Rudolph II of the Holy Roman Empire had purchased it in the early 1600s for 600 ducats. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, which is equal to about two kilograms of gold or about $100,000 today. What? <laughs> so he he's saying that this guy bought the book from- For an obscene amount of money. Yeah, for a ton of money, essentially. Um, Holy shit. Which I'm sure wasn't much to him if he was the emperor. Right. But he claimed that Rudolph, Emperor Rudolph, then passed the book on to Jacobus Horsiki de Tempanes, the head of, Rod- of Rudolph's botanical gardens and the imperial distiller. Oh, okay. Sick. I want that job. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds great. Um, it was said to be part of the debt that was owed upon Rudolph's death. So when Emperor Rudolph died, he gave his imperial distiller this book as like, hey, man, I know I still owe you, <laughs> I guess. Okay. Um, and this is backed up by some evidence on the first page of the book. There is what appears to be Jacobus's signature that is now almost invisible. Weird. However, it does not match other copies of this guy's signature. So that suggests that that signature was forged. <laughs> Interesting. Who forged that? I don't know. I don't that know is who so would like. Weird. I mean, it could have been if this Marcy guy. I mean, that's this. He's pretty much the only person who's saying this. If he wants people to believe it, I mean, I guess he could have. He could have done it. But I. I don't know. I don't. You see here, there's this mark. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So back to now. Athanasius Kircher owning it. The book was possibly stored with the rest of Kircher's work in the library of the Roman College. It probably remained there until Italy captured the city in 1870 and annexed the Papal States. So the Italian government came in and pretty much just took all the church's property, including this library. And most of the books were very quickly just given away to like the library staff and the university staff just being like, just take these, like, we don't want them to burn them. Like we would like, just take them. So they were just like hastily giving away all these books to like the university faculty, essentially. They're just like, they're just like, please just somebody take these, which is like awesome. Cause they know that they need to like, I'm sure a lot of it no, no longer exists. So, and this is backed up by the fact that the manuscript contains the book plate of Petrus Bex, the univer- university's rector at the time. Weird. So you know how, like, when you rent a book, there's, like, the little thing that says, like, where it's been? hmm Yeah. In 1912, the Roman college was short on money and decided to sell some stuff to the Vatican Library. However, not all of the manuscripts listed for sale went to the Vatican Library. Wilfred Voynich purchased 30 of the manuscripts 
along with the one which now bears his name. Oh, interesting. So it went from this guy who worked at the Roman college to the Vatican, and then Wilfred Voynich purchased it from the Vatican. Okay. And Wilfred Voynich worked to find scholars who were interested in deciphering it, um, and he was, like, in the process of trying to figure out its origin in the meantime. So he was, like, legitimately interested in this thing and, like, wanted to know what it was about. In 1930, Ethel Voynich, Wilfred's wife, inherited the manuscript. She died in 1960, 30 years later, and left the manuscript to her close friend Ann Nill. Uh, in 1961, Ann Nill sold the book to an antique book dealer named Hans P. Krauss. Krauss was unable to find a buyer for the book and donated it to Yale University in 1969, where it remains to this day. Wow, okay. So it is currently at Yale University. Um, I've heard that it's like in a little glass box. Um, and you can take a look at it. I, I'm sure they have like some kind of, you know, restrictions as, you know, you got to wear gloves and I'm sure it's in some kind of crazy room. I kind of looked into it a while back because I wanted to go and visit it before I researched it because I just wanted to look at it. Um, and apparently you need to like fill out an application and say why you're researching it and why you need to see it. For my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Which is essentially what I was going to do. But now with COVID, it's like, Yeah. Maybe later. Maybe later. So one of these days, maybe I'll get to go and look at it. I don't really want to touch it, though. It's kind of weird. I don't want to touch it. I don't it. really want to touch it. I just want to look at it. <laughs> Have somebody flip the pages for me. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Whew. So possible authors okay. based okay. on research that people have done. It is speculated that the author was 13th century friar and polymath Roger Bacon. Do you know who Roger Bacon is? No. He was... He was essentially called a wizard, um, and he was an advocate for the modern scientific method. So he was, like, very spiritual and, like, you know. Um, but anyway, so one of Bacon's most famous works is the Opus Magis, which contains sections on mathematics, optics, alchemy, and astronomy. Um, and it includes theories on the positions and sizes of celestial bodies. Interesting. This is in the 13th century. <laughs> Interesting. I've definitely heard of that yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So the problem is that Bacon lived between 1220 and 1292, which is... Oh, so it was not when that yeah, was Yeah, it's like 200 years yeah. before. So that's like the big problem with that, is that those dates just don't match up. But by assuming that the author was Bacon, Voynich was led to conclude that John D. had sold the manuscript to Rudolph. I've been learning a lot about John Dee. I only knew a little bit about him prior to this, but the, actually the reason why I started learning about him was because <laughs> the uh, Zoom call that I was in with a bunch of people the other night, somebody brought up uh, John Dee and his connection to William Shakespeare. Oh, okay. Which is really interesting. He could be his own episode. Um, he was an astronomer, astrologer, teacher, and alchemist. He was also an occultist who lived between 1527, 1527 and 1609. Um, so it's possible that he could have owned it. Okay. He was the court astronomer and advisor for Queen Elizabeth I. So yeah, um, John Dee is known for having one of the largest libraries in England at that time. Oh, cool. Fucking nerds. <laughs> I get it, though. I've, I've been buying so many books. The only reason why I don't have like a literal library is because I have a Kindle. Because yep. I've been, like, just buying stuff on my Kindle and trying not to, like, overload our bookshelves. Um, so the problem with it having gone to John Dee at one point was that 
Dee had very, like, meticulous and very detailed diary entries mm-hmm. that he wrote, and he never mentioned ever buying or selling this manuscript, which you would, like, think that he would. Yeah. It was rumored that John Dee, or his scryer, or spirit medium, Edward Kelly, had written it and then spread the rumor that Roger Bacon had written it in order to sell it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's this whole theory that John Dee and Edward Kelly got together and wrote this book and then said, oh, no, 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 this guy wrote it. But that still isn't the right time period. No, it's still, it still isn't because this is 1527 to 1609. Yeah. So um, there is another theory that the vellum was stored for however many years, like 150 or something, whatever, and then somebody used it. Oh. Later. Yeah. So that is possible. The likelihood of a brand new piece of vellum lasting that long before somebody used it is, like, pretty slim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's possible, though. So, Raphael Minchevsky, a friend of Marcy, one of the previous owners of the book. Mm-hmm. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. He was a cryptographer and apparently invented a cipher around the year of 1618 that he claimed was uncrackable. This led to speculation that Minchovsky had created the manuscript as a demonstration of his uncrackable cipher and had made these people his unwitting test subjects. Ha, that's pretty funny. (laughs) So again, this is 1618. So then we start thinking, yeah, you go back to like the whole, maybe they kept this vellum and then used it later, whatever. Some suspect that Voynich fabricated the manuscript himself since he was an antique book dealer and um, a lost book written by Roger Bacon himself would be worth a ton of money. Wow, weird. But again, the carbon dating like basically disproves that. Unless you want to sit here and assume that a piece of vellum lasted 200 years and then somebody wrote on it. Weird. But also he didn't try to sell it or anything. So he didn't end up making money off of it. Yeah. Either. It didn't really seem like Voynich was trying to sell it. He was like legitimately interested in like learning about it. Yeah. Um I think that the guy after him, Kraus or whatever, was the one who was really trying to sell it and after it took, you know, maybe 7 or 8 years for him to sell it, he just gave it to Yale. He's like because fucking he couldn't no sell one it. wants this. What? Yeah, because nobody freaking knows what it is. Oh yeah, so here we go back to the there is an Irish historian named Eamon Duffy who says that the radiocarbon dating of the vellum, quote, effectively rules out any possibility that the manuscript is a post-medieval forgery, as the consistency of the pages indicates origin from a single source, and it is inconceivable that such a large quantity of unused parchment could have survived into the 15th century. Okay. Yeah. So this guy is, like, pretty much an expert, and he's saying, like, that's crazy. Like, that would, like, never happen. <laughs> So yeah, um, let's get into people who have studied this Voynichese language. Voynichese. A person named Stefan von Felt studied these patterns and found that Voynichese is more similar to Mandarin Chinese than European languages. Cool. So we originally had the theory that like we've got Latin, Italian, um, and like a little bit of High German in there, and now this guy is saying no, it's closer to Mandarin Chinese. In addition, a linguist named Jacques Guy, nice. Jacques Guy, I don't know, it want to be French Guy. Anyway, uh, once suggested that it could be a little-known natural language similar to Vietnamese, Chinese, or Thai. Okay. In 1976, James R. Child of the NSA, the Nas- National Security Agency, suggested that it was written in an unknown North Germanic dialect. 
although the content itself itself holds a great deal of obscurity. In 2014, uh, Arthur O. Tucker and Rexford H. Talbert published a paper claiming that they had identified 37 plants, six animals, and one mineral from the manuscript. They had referenced the uh, Badianus manuscript, a 15th century Aztec herbal documentation. Oh, okay. (laughs) Also in 2014, a team led by Dr. Diego Amancio of the University of Sao Paulo published a paper detailing a study using statistics to analyze the text. Instead of trying to find the meaning... The team used, quote, complex network modeling to look for connections and clusters in the world, in the words. They were able to discover the manuscript's keywords and create 3D models of the text structure and word frequencies. Their conclusion was that in 90% of the models, Voynich's was similar to the language used in other books, such as the Bible, indicating that the book is an actual piece of text in an actual language, not just, quote, well-planned gibberish. Oh, that's cool. So they just, like, did a bunch of, like, analysis with, like, the, like, word patterns and shit and were like, no, it's kind of, like, written, like, regular books. No, it's like a book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Weird, weird, weird. um, There is a theory that it is written in a constructed language or philosophical language, which were popular in early modern times with the goal of rediscovering lost Adamic or divine language. Okay. That's, like, a whole other thing. (laughs) He's like, I want to talk to God. (laughs) Essentially, Yeah. yeah. So... I, it's interesting because, like, ciphers and, um, like, stenography and stuff like that has come up a lot for me recently. Like, we were literally talking about it the other night. So, ciphers are algorithms that are operated on individual letters. You kind of, like, a lot of times will match up, you know, a symbol to a letter or something like that. Um, But it's, like, can be done in all kinds of crazy ways. Um, but, like, why would the author of the book be using that if not to hide some kind of information? So, in 1943, Joseph Martin Feely published Roger Bacon's Cipher, The Right Key Found, in which he claimed that the book was a scientific diary written by Roger Bacon. Wow. Feely's method posited that the text was a highly abbreviated medieval Latin written in a simple substitution cipher. Okay. So, it's shorthand. Essentially, Yeah. So it's like probably in Latin, but it's like an abbreviated form that was not acceptable by anybody else at that time. Bastard Latin. (laughs) Yeah. Similarly, in 1978, Robert Brumba, a professor of medieval philosophy at Yale University, claimed that the manuscript was a forgery intended to fool Emperor Rudolph II into purchasing it and that the text is Latin and ciphered with a complex two-step method. So here we go back to, like, all the way back when, like, Emperor Rudolph bought it. Like, essentially somebody was, like, trying to, like, fuck with him. It's possible that the manuscript started out as a simple encryption and then was augmented over the years by adding meaningless symbols, duplicates, or false word breaks, even just rearranging the letters. That's so funny. (laughs) Maybe somebody could have read it before, but, like, over the years somebody, like, went in and changed a bunch of shit and they're like, nope. Well, you don't get to read this. <laughs> well, isn't it all like there's no mistakes or anything, right? It doesn't look yeah. like there was any crossouts or changing yeah. the letters around. Like, yeah, so really all they could have done was add stuff. Yeah. That's all they could have done. And like rearranging the pages is another thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. The counter argument, the big counter argument to this is that all other cipher systems that were used in that era do not match the manuscript. Which, like, if you're really good at using ciphers, you would probably be able to make it, like, something that's brand new that nobody's used yet. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, so then we get into stenography, which is the practice of concealing a message or image within another message or image. The manuscript is mostly meaningless. That's one theory, mm-hmm. is that it's completely meaningless, but contains meaningful information hidden within the details. Okay, yeah. It has been suggested that the meaning is hidden within the length or shape of certain pen strokes, although the pen strokes in the manuscript seem natural. So then we get into, like, sigils. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that whole thing behind sigils is that it's like it essentially has hidden meaning. That's essentially what a sigil is. Um, Another kind of like more out there theory is that this is an example of uh, glossolalia, glossolalia. I should have looked up how to pronounce that, Um, which is speaking in tongues or languages that are unknown to the speaker. It's typically a form of channeling. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Someone was just doing, what the fuck do they call that when you just sit? Automatic writing. Automatic writing. Yeah. 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 Weird. 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 So in 2004, a book by Gary Kennedy and Rob Churchill explained that the author might have felt compelled to write large amounts of text, either because they were hearing voices or having a random urge to just write, which is essentially what automatic writing is. Yeah. The theory is impossible to prove or disprove, although it's possible that the author may have been affected by mental illness or delusion. That's true as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's possible for, like, literally any any book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So there are a couple other theories. I'm almost done. Okay. So in 2014, Applied Linguistics linguistics professor Stephen Back self-published a paper claiming to have translated 10 words from the manuscript using techniques similar to those used to successfully translate Egyptian hieroglyphs. Unfortunately, a full translation was not made prior to his death in 2017. Oh no. Yeah. So this guy like seemed like he was on the right track and then uh again the other theory is that it was a hoax created by one person as a joke not actually meant to be read or deciphered. Some studies were done, one in April 2017, that showed that the text was more consistent with meaningless gibberish produced by a system of, quote, random determination. So some people say it's gibberish. Some people say it makes sense. There's all kinds of, like, studies that people are like, ah. Really, no one knows. <laughs> yeah, no one freaking knows. The last thing is that in 2019, the journal Romance Studies published a paper by Gerard Cheshire, a biology research assistant, titled The Language and Writing System of Voynich Explained. He claimed to have deciphered the manuscript in just two weeks, using a combination of lateral thinking and ingenuity. Okay. He suggested that the manuscript is a compendium of information on herbal remedies, therapeutic bathing, and astrological readings, which, yes. Okay. With a focus on female physical and mental health reproduction and parenting. He claims that the manuscript is the only known text written in proto-romance. Proto-romance. He said, quote, The manuscript was compiled by Dominican nuns as a source of reference for Maria of Castile, Queen of Aragon. However, experts in medieval documents disputed this imputation vigorously. Oh, yes. Why is that? <laughs> the executive editor of Medieval Academy of America, Lisa Fagin Davis, denounced the paper as, quote, just more aspirational, circular, self-fulfilling nonsense. His translations from what is essentially gibberish, an amalgam of multiple languages, are themselves aspirational rather than being actual translations. So... Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, The University of Bristol subsequently removed a reference to Cheshire's claims from its website, 
referring in a statement to concerns about the validity of the research. As of June 22nd, 2020, very, very, very recently, uh, Cheshire has published his translations of 10 pages of the 100 or so that seem to be about medicinal plants. I haven't looked at that. Maybe I should have. But he's already, like, essentially been called out for, like, having no, nothing to back up his claims. Like, there's no evidence for any of this. And I don't know where he's, like, getting the idea that it was made by nuns. Yeah, what, when does he think that the nuns wrote this? Do they think? I literally could not find any other information. Oh, interesting. What, uh, what, what was his name again? Gerard Cheshire. Gerard. Hmm. This one is from February. I'm going to look it up now, too. Oh, he has an interesting looking face. 18 June 2020. A German Egyptologist believes he has cracked the code. Is that this guy? It says he's a biology research assistant. Whoa, whoa. No, after three years of analysis, the German Egyptologist Rainer Hanig from the Romier und Plesius Museum believes he has cracked the code to translating the work and found the manuscript's language to be based on Hebrew. I'm going to send you this link. Um, I did see like a couple other theories. Um, I did like kind of pull some out. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I did. I did like see something about that. I was like, this is literally from like two weeks ago. I feel like. Oh, yeah. A lot of languages were proposed, such as Latin, Czech or amongst others. Nahatl, spoken by the Aztecs, just to name a few. The word structure leaves only one possible explanation. The manuscript manuscript was not composed in an Indo-European language. He narrowed options to Arabic, Aramaic, or Hebrew, languages spoken by European scholars of the Middle Ages. So, like, that does make sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe, I can't believe no one else thought of that. Like, no one else brought that up. Our society is just, like, inherently anti-Semitic, I guess. They're like, fucking, it's not Hebrew. Yeah, I mean, it, it even looks like you look at some of the writing and it does, like, have, um, it looks, like, pretty similar. Yeah, it does. Okay. Interesting. I guess we'll keep an eye on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we June. definitely can. That's so crazy, dude. It's very, yeah, very, very, very recent. Oof. Let's see what his most recent... If anyone reads Hebrew. Yeah, if anyone reads Hebrew and wants to take a look at this thing. Yeah, and just be like, hey, does this look like Hebrew to you? Yeah. That would be cool. Let us know. (laughs) So he says, quote, The actual translation of the Voynich book will need a couple of years' work, even if specialists in Hebrew language who are well-versed in medieval Hebrew and the terminology of botanical and medical texts take over the analysis. The character of the script... The pronunciation, which one needs to get used to, the peculiarity and the vocabulary of the, vocabulary of the period will cause a lot of trouble even to a native speaker of Hebrew. Yeah, it's you can take a look at it, but you're going to be like, what the? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. But yeah, he says that he's working on it. So that's cool. So wow, that's crazy. Thank you for finding that. Yeah, you're welcome. We can like absolutely keep an eye on it. But I didn't find anything about that other guy, Gerard. Yeah, let's see. Um, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. Yeah, nothing recent from Gerard. This is from May of 2019, but it also said that they pulled a lot of the stuff that he says. Oh, BBC News. Voynich Manuscript Translation Claims Raise Concerns. <sighs> let's see. BBC News. Bristol University says, it's pla- says it plans to seek further validation after concerns from fellow academics. The paper published by Dr. Cheshire, a research assistant, was entirely the author's own work and is not affiliated with the university. However, the story did feature on the university's website. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I guess guess that enough, like, 
people who were in academics, a lot of people who were scholars and, like, researched this stuff, like, had a lot of issues with what he said. Okay. Um, and, like, that was enough. I mean, it seems like he's still, like, determined to, um, to prove himself, which, like, all the power to him. Like, if he, like, thinks that he's onto something, like, sure, man, like, nobody's gonna stop you. But that just seems so out of, like, that article that you just found. Like, that seems so plausible. Like, you think about it and you're like, yeah, that makes so much sense. What this guy came up with, like, to me just doesn't, like, none of that sounds familiar to anything that we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like I said, like, I'm not gonna, like, friggin' give him shit for wanting to research it if he thinks that he's onto something. Like, go for it, dude. But, like, don't just make shit up. <laughs> You're really deteriorating from actual research when you just make stuff up. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially <laughs> if you're, if, especially if you're a research assistant. Like maybe yeah. you should just stay an assistant for a little bit more. Okay, I'm being mean now. TLDR: Lots of people have tried to figure out what it is, but have no luck proving anything. Interpretations are purely speculative, apart from obvious zodiac symbols and one diagram possibly showing the planets. Uh, In 1962, I really like this, cryptanalyst Elizabeth Friedman described an attempt to decipher the text as being, quote, doomed to utter frustration. (laughs) She's like, no, I got no fucking luck. She's like, good fucking luck. (laughs) So anyway, uh, that's the Voynich Manuscript. I highly recommend everyone go take a look at it. It's really freaking cool. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, You can go to archive.org and search for it. You can also just Google like archive.org Voynich Manuscript. I'll post a link on social media so that you guys can just click on it if you're lazy. Uh, And yeah. It's cool. It's It's really cool. And I'm going to keep an eye on that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely going to go through this more now. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Pretty obsessed with these stupid drawings. They're so Dude, dumb. right? Right? They're so cool, though. That's, like, part like, of, like, the plan drawings are what, like, drew me in. Yeah! Because yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is that thing? Like, I don't fucking know, man. I don't know at all. <laughs> no one knows what it is. No so. Yeah, that's it's so cool. It's a mystery. Yeah, I freaking love, I freaking love the Voyage Manuscript. I think it's cool as fuck. I think that there's a lot of mystery behind it. There's, like, so many, like, oh my god. I, it just, like, makes you think of, like, if we ever get to deciphering it, if we ever do figure it out, like, what the fuck is it? Like, just what is it? Who knows? Like, is somebody trying to, like, transmutate plants or something? Yeah, they're just, it's the uh, original uh, genetic engineering. <laughs> he was literally just trying to, like, put plants together. We'll take the leaves from this one and just... Pfft, Stick and the like, flowers if we on this put one. all these ladies in a pool together, can I use this water for something? Yes. <laughs> ladies! Absorb the ladies' power and use them to water my alien plants. Hmm. And then I can talk to God. Perfect! Ah, Perfect. That's totally what it is. We've cracked, cracked it. it. Everyone can quit. <laughs> Everyone else, I don't care how more qualified you are. That's it. Nope, that's it. We got it. That's it. it. (laughs) The details don't matter. I did read one theory that it was of extraterrestrial origin. Of course, there's, you know, of course you would. But, yeah. It's unexplainable. It's alien! And you're just like, aliens. (laughs) You think the aliens would just, like, write a book? No. (sighs) Wow. Okay. Wow. Thank you. That was great. You're welcome. I'm glad. I've been obsessed with it for a long time. And I I actually like wanted to get a copy of a copy of a copy of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're like $50 on Amazon. And um, 
yeah, I was like, well, that's okay. I don't really need it. I can just look at the PDF copy until I get the chance to go to Yale. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That blew my mind, man. That blew my mind. I'm so glad that was the goal. Now uh, now you'll be thinking about a weird book for a couple of years, just like I have. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Oh, man. I'm actually a little sad that I just did that because now I don't get to do it again. Well, there'll definitely be an update <laughs> at some point. So you'll then you'll be able yeah. to talk about it again. And exactly. wildly speculate additionally. Yes. I can sit over here and just scream. <gasps> Wait, what was, oh shit, what was that guy's name again? I need to I need to remember this guy's name. Rainer? Let's see. Rainer? Rainer. Hig- Higgins Higgins. Oh, I forgot it already. Rainer Hannig. 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 German Egyptologist. That's pretty cool. From the Romer and Oh, Romer und, I'm sorry, und, Pilaseus Museum. Yeah, that's why I struggled through that so much, man. God, I'm so bad. I was like, I don't know German. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man, I... That's the one thing. I can't do it. I am mostly German, and I'm I... I'm actually mostly German as well. Yeah. But I can't read it. <laughs> I wish that I had taken the time to learn it, and... True. I don't know. I feel like I, I would have a hard time speaking it. It's just yeah. so much. Oh my like... god! At my little brother, tell me what this pronunciation is in German. Thanks. He took German in high school. Fucking bullshit. I took French, and I've like not really used that at all. That checks. Yeah, at all. Yeah. Well, no. well, well. I should have just. I don't know why I didn't take Latin. I feel like it would have been more useful to take Latin, but yeah, Latin's dead language. <laughs> That's why all the band kids were taking French, and I was like, "Well, I'm a band kid, so I'll just take." So French. I should take. French. I have to take French with all my friends, and we would all like go in a group because some of us took. Uh, some of us were in AP French in senior year, and we had AP French right after band, so we would like all walk in a group, oh, okay. like our little with our instruments in hand to AP French to AP French, in which we just watched a bunch of movies in French. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I was a lot of things in high school, but I wasn't a fucking nerd. So. <laughs> I was a band kid, not a nerd. I would argue that. I think that there's a difference. Okay. You're a band nerd. Okay, okay sure. That's fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I was a cheerleader in elementary and middle school, and then I became emo and decided that that wasn't my thing. So I just did band. Wow. Yeah, I just took culinary and uh, we had a drive to and from the vocational school every day. So I just like wasn't at school my junior or senior year. And I'll- wow. And then after school, during senior skip period, we would just go out back and smoke cigarettes behind the school. Like, I don't know. Nice. <laughs> Our school like locked us down in my senior year and like would not let us leave the building for anything during the school day. So, uh. I mean, technically, we weren't supposed to leave campus during the school day. Well, yeah. We had closed campus, but then if anyone asked, we would just flash them our vocational card, and they'd be like, sure, you can go. And be like, we don't go here. <laughs> Boy! It was great. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, high school. Oh, uh, jeez. Oh, God, I really hated high school. I, come to think of it, I only talked to a very select few people from high school, slash, like, follow them on social media and very passively interact with them by likes and such. Um, Correct. Same. <sighs> fun times. And it's fun because uh, a lot of the people that I went to band, or that I was in band with, ended up being just, like, really freaking cool people. Like, artists and, like, fashion designers and, like... <sighs> so talented. So talented. I forgot how to play clarinet. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's fine. 
It's a talent I don't really need anyway. It's fine. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> it is not like riding a bike. <laughs> it is not like riding a bike. It is not. You gotta, like, read and shit. It's too hard. We are stoked to tell you about our first sponsor, Anchor. If you're like us and you want to start a podcast but have no idea where to start, listen up. So when we first decided to start a podcast, we were looking for a way to put your brain on weird out to the most people um, without having to do the most work. We are so happy that we found Anchor because they distribute our show to apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts for us. This means that our listeners can find us wherever they already listen without having to download anything new. Once you're ready to get going, just create an account and start recording. They have the tools you need to record and edit your podcast. You can even edit on the go from your phone. Anchor has everything you could possibly want, including free transition sounds and photos that you can use to build your show. Not only that, but you can start making money as soon as you release your first episode. The best part is that all of this is free. So if you want to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm and get started today. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. By supporting them, you're supporting podcasts like us, too. Okay. Uh, <sighs> amazing. Amazing. Amaze balls. My brain isn't as fried as I expected it to be. It's probably because I've already done a lot of research on that and it's just like been in my brain forever oh yeah hell yeah well i'll wrap it up with something easy how about that ah perfect just what i need all right we're just gonna do like a very very basic medication today all right (laughs) which i felt like that's fair that's fair i did warn you that mine was a lot so i appreciate that exactly so this topic can definitely uh be complicated, but I'm not going to make it that way this week. <laughs> so okay, cool. I'm going to talk about how THC actually gets you high. Sick. Yeah. So we all know that the main intoxicating ingredient is delta nine tetrahydrocannabinol, which is THC, and it's pretty cool because we've known that about THC since the 1940s. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. Um, yeah, man. We've known about we've known about it for such a long time. It's crazy. Yeah, like the in this article, it, it's like, yeah, we'd know a lot more about it if uh, <laughs> it wasn't illegal. Yep. Yeah. So oh, there's that. Man. <sighs> okay, so you have these receptors in your brain called cannabinoid receptors. <laughs> so when you smoke, THC goes into your brain and it activates the cannabinoid receptors in your brain. Mm-hmm. So what that does is it produces dopamine. Sick. <laughs> which is like the happy chemical in your brain. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. With those receptors activated, it starts producing dopamine. And then it also activates the brain's reward pathways, which makes us feel good. Heck yeah. And then the THC binds to the receptors and uh, it does stuff okay so it binds to the receptors and that is the major system factor in feelings of euphoria connected with thc consumption word i feel it right now you just feel euphoric i feel it in my brain yeah um when you smoke 
It activates these receptors. CB1 is they're called, CB1 receptors. Then your brain starts producing dopamine and it increases the blood flow and it re, uh, reacts with the reward system in your brain. Mm-hmm. And then you get high. Sick. And that I love it. Is why you get high. There's like more there's more to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Because then you start getting into like CBD and then that reacts with different receptors and I just don't feel like talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little fair. bit more complicated, but that's just like that's basically it. I feel like I feel like I almost want to try and find, you know how they have like those uh um, like scientific videos that show like like the animations of these things happening, the like CGI like videos. Okay, first of all, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Second of all, when I was like looking up this subject this morning, because I, I like knew what I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I was like Googling it and the first article I read was like, oh, how does this interact with your brain? And then there was like a very short paragraph that wasn't about how it interacts with your brain. And then they just posted the, this is your brain on marijuana video. Whoa. (laughs) Cool. And I was like, you can't say you wrote an article and then just post someone else's video. That's cheating. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a very good video. Nice. I do like, I like those. I like like those too. They look like, like drawings and stuff. Yeah. I used to love like science class watching like the weird, like, uh, <laughs> like cell structure CGI yeah. videos. I love those. Yeah. Oh, do you remember um in college when we were in our <laughs> drugs class? Um I did a presentation on coke and I do remember this. Yeah. I showed the video of this is your brain on coke. <laughs> I do very vaguely remember that. Yeah. 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 I like very vaguely remember that too because <laughs> I blacked out during that presentation. Fuck. Public speaking, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. I've gotten, I think I've gotten better about it, but yeah. I hated in school, like, that I couldn't just, like, be like, hey, excuse me, I have performance and social anxiety. Can I not do this? And they'd just be like, nope, suck it up. Like, what? That did not help with the performance or social anxiety. Thank you. It actually made it worse. Thanks. I did have one teacher let me do my presentation to just them. Which was fine. Oh, I like that. That's good. That's I good. Because like, it's like a one-on-one conversation like we do right now. Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm cool with the podcasting thing. Also, because I can edit this. So if I say anything dumb, I can be like, whoop. <laughs> Bye. There it goes. Bye. <laughs> anyway, thank you. <sighs> thank You're you welcome. for that. Thank you for that story. That was incredible. Yeah. <sighs> You're wow. so welcome. <laughs> I'm very happy I did it, but also sad. Because now well, it's gone bring it up again so yeah 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 i was originally going to cover another topic and then i was, was kind of looking at uh our past episodes and i was like man we've done a lot of like we've done some cryptids some hauntings like we've done like probably your typical paranormal stuff so we've covered those bases and i was like now i can do a weird artifact thing yes weird artifact yes yes mm. anyway Perfect. all right Do you want to do the social media rundown? Yes, I would love to. All right. So you can follow us on Facebook. You can like us on Instagram at YBOW podcast. 
You can follow us on Twitter at weird underscore pod. You can email us at yourbrainonweird at gmail.com. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And Facebook, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can do that on both. Perfect. And I think that's it. Feel free to email us or tweet at us. You can definitely tweet at us. We'll answer. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I feel like that's our most uh, active social media account. So I'm constantly on Twitter. I am just constantly on Twitter, and it's just because, like, at this point, I have a lot of friends on Twitter, and I'm just yeah. like constantly talking to people about stuff. But yeah, we're like always on there. If you guys tweet at us, um, and also subscribe to our Patreon if that's something. Uh, for as low as five dollars a month, you can get bonus content of previous episodes we have some bonus content from episode one that's up there uh related to missing 411 and david politis which is actually starting to kind of blow up because unsolved mysteries covered something that was kind of related to that the new unsolved mysteries oh um so yeah so if you want to hear some stories that are kind of similar to that you can uh subscribe to our patreon for that and the other thing is that our last episode we talked to our friend kaylee about eastern state penitentiary and we talked for like over two hours (laughs) yeah so i cut out i think it's like 30 to 45 minutes of us talking about like some you know some of the stuff that we believe in some of the stuff that we think is important and that's going to go up on patreon too so yeah yay yay we're trying to make more content for you guys because we appreciate your support so much and we want to make sure that if you guys are giving us money every month it's worth it (laughs) Correct. Also, if you want mugs, we can get those. They're really cool. I'm going to post pictures. They're so cool. Maybe we should write up a little thing to post on our Patreon about why butterflies slash moths slash dragonflies are important to us. Yeah, we can can totally do that. Maybe we can talk about it for an episode or something at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay, wow. I think that's it. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Yay, thank you so much. All right. I'm Sam. I'm Jess. And this has been Your Brain on Weird. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.